find some way to take notes today because what we're going to talk about uh, today, I think, is, is not only important, but prophetic to our moment as a life, as a church, and speaking into the hearts and lives of, of some particular individuals. As we heard the reading, uh, I want to just highlight a few things. I won't go back through the complete passage, but one of the things that I want to touch on is uh, the language used there. He holds the key of David, the key of David. Uh, this, this is representing the authority of Christ. Uh, you might remember, and, and the, the Jewish people would have known this uh, immediately, that the, they were looking for the descendant of David to take the throne and be the Messiah to come. And uh, those of you who are um, very biblically literate might remember that there are two lineages uh, that are posted in the book of, of uh, Matthew, the, the lineage um, of, uh, uh, well, in Matthew and in, in Mark, the, the lineage of um, David's line going down through Joseph and the lineage of David's line going down through Mary. And uh, those of you who are extremely biblical literate might, might remember that uh, there was a glitch in the line uh, for Joseph. Uh, uh, came along uh, King Jeconiah that was disobedient. And God said, no one from your uh, line will sit on the throne. That didn't stop the, the line of David. It just stopped the line at Jeconiah, which is where um, Joseph came from. I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but that's why Mary, uh, many scholars believe that, that it was so Im important that it was uh, the Immaculate Conception, that she uh, had the clean line of David coming all the way down, the promise of the Father. And so uh, the, here through the clean line of David, the Messiah has the key, which represents authority, um, it, it, and it represents uh, control or the power to accomplish the things that are set forth. Um, another section here that I wanted to talk about um, in the opening verse here, as we're looking through it. Um, no, I think that was it. We'll hit the other one in, in, in the message. All right. Got your pens? Got your paper? We're going to take off. Church, we're talking to you. All right. Open doors are the work of the Holy Spirit. Open doors are the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to say it just one more time. Open doors are the work of the Holy Spirit. And I believe this morning I'm speaking to someone who has been convinced of a lie. And that lie is that you're standing in front of a shut door and you're waiting for someone or something to open that up. You're waiting for a title. You're waiting to reach a destination. You're waiting uh, for a group of people to, to commission you and bless you. You're waiting for uh, some extravagant thing to happen, a feeling, an emotion. And then you suddenly think that door is going to swing open. And I want to say to you again, all doors, spiritually speaking, and doors that open up to ministry and new opportunity are uh, opened by the Holy Spirit. God is the one who, who ultimately will, will open the door so that you and I can move from, from one place in our life to the next place in our life where he is leading and where he is directing our life. 
Now, certainly we can kick down doors and go wherever we want to go. But when you are following the leading of, of God, he is the one that will open the next door. And that's important for us on the front side as we get into this, this message. Now, the back side or the back story on the preparation for this message. And I said I wanted to talk a little bit more about what I go through over the course of the year in preparing for our time together and, and, and how God kind of speaks to me. And so the backdrop for this story was a journey that God took me on through a, um, an assignment uh, required for me uh, to kind of look back and to, to evaluate how God had directed in my life and led my personal calling into pastorate ministry. And, and uh, I was remembering how that is in my junior and senior year, I became very intrigued with the call narratives of scripture. Wherever God had called men or women to a full-time kind of ministry positions, I wanted to read about those and kind of understand because I knew there was a calling on my life and I wanted some clarity uh, around that call. And so uh, I wanted to read through those call narratives. And I was struck by two that have stood out my whole life, in particular the call of, uh, that, that happens with Jeremiah, the, the call of God. Um, and you can read about that in the book of Jeremiah, first chapter in particular. You can, you can discover uh, the call narrative there for Jeremiah. And then the call of Moses. And so in particular in the call of Moses, uh, I, was, I, was, I was struck by uh, the burning bush. The bush that, that was burning but was never consumed. And uh, Moses could have easily walked by that phenomena and uh, not had the encounter, but he was drawn to it. And, and uh, I, was, I was interested to that. The, the voice of God coming from that burning bush, the curiosity of Moses, uh, the questions that Moses had around that, the doubting of Moses, and the aha moment of Moses, and then uh, the simple obedience uh, of Moses. I was particularly drawn to an exchange that, that happened between God and Moses at that burning bush experience. And I want to just read it to you. Moses answered, he's been, you know, trying to uh, clarify all through this, you know, you're, you're calling me, right? And, and God says, yes, I'm calling you. And he's like, well, you, you don't really know me. I don't, I'm not a public speaker. I'm not, he's, he's giving God all of these kinds of reasons why God has the wrong guy. You know, there's probably a shepherd behind me. You probably meant it for him. Just, just hang on. He'll be here in like 10 minutes. You know, we're just passing by. And, and so he's been, he's been having this kind of back and forth with God and throwing up his, his excuses and, and kind of trying to define, you know, who are you that's talking to me? Is this God? And if this is God, you know, how do I know this is God? And so on and so forth. And so this, in, this, in the midst of this exchange, Moses answered. He's, he's finally got to the place where he's like, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about uh, obeying you and going uh, back to Egypt and trying to get my people free. I'm thinking about it. But here's a question, God, that I need answered. Mo Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Now, you know, when we think about a question like that and how God would answer that, you know, we might think, OK, right here is a good place for thunderbolt and lightning. <laughs> Galileo. Figaro. This is a good place for like an awesome, 
like display of godness, right? This is, that's, that would be on my mind. How do, how do we know that you're God? <laughs> the earth starts separating, you know. And uh, Moses flies up in the air and I am God. You know, this would be a great place for that, that, that theatrical kind of, of what we would think Hollywood would show us in this moment. All right, God, how, how do I know that you're God? Well, I'm about to show you, right? And, uh, but God answers, interestingly, listen to this. Then the Lord said to him, what is that? in your hand. What is that in your hand? Now Moses was a shepherd at this point in his life, so he's holding a staff, but this is a much deeper question than what he is holding, although that is representative of something that he needs to understand, right? Shepherds lead sheep. Staffs are what they use to, uh, in, in a number of ways in that day and time, clear brush uh, they had a hook on the end of them to pick up sheep that got caught in uh, brush or thickets and pull them out uh, to rescue them. There were, there were just a, a number of, of significant things about the staff beat off the enemy, you know, uh, coyotes or whatever. Um, this, this staff, and, you know, and it helped, of course, as he's navigating uh, all of the, the topography and walking up the mountains and, and wherever he's taking the sheep, right? And so there is there's significance to the real staff that he's holding there. But there's also a deeper thing that God's calling him to look at. This, this question was, was more than what's, what are you holding in your hand? This, this question is an inquiry. It requires a, a deeper look, an, an internal examination, a thoughtful conversation with, with people that, that, that are around your life, that know you, that have relationship with you. That, that have a, a deeper understanding of who you are. This is, a, this is also a call to like look in the mirror, to internally investigate what is it that I have? How have I been designed? What do I love and what do I not love so much? And what, what is it that I do fairly well and what is it that I, I don't do well at all? And, and it's, it's a question of like, uh, it's, it's part of it is just an instantaneous thing of like just an examination, but it's, it's also a lifelong question. This is a question that was going to hang with Moses for the rest of his life. Because every time that he gets to a place that, you know, he thinks that, you know, I understand fully how God has equipped me and, and what God has placed in my hands, then, then there's a new level of, of something that he needs to rise up to, right? And, and the Holy Spirit is standing there with the key ready to open the door. And uh, Moses is going to have to rise up to another level. And so there's another level of gifting for his life that he's unaware of or that God's going to be placing into his hands that he's going to see. So it's, in that respect, it's also a lifelong question. The one that we constantly should be asking, what has God placed in my hands? We, we rarely take the time to examine what God has placed in our hands. And I'm a believer that every, on every major university, every person who has an undeclared major also needs to be sitting somewhere examining what God's put in their hands. There's no reason to have an undeclared major if we will examine what has been placed in our hands. Undeclared majors in school and in our life mean that we don't really understand what God has placed in our hands to be useful. 
to be used for his kingdom, to be a part of our purpose and mission design. The challenge to examine what is in our hands helps us to see our unique design as a vessel used for for his kingdom. If we are about looking on the outside for our identity, we're going to be missing our purpose in life. And I want to say this to you as clearly as I can. If you do not allow God to name you according to the call of God on your life, the world has some names for you. Outside, and you know, everybody has a design for your life. Parents might have a design. Uh, friends have a design. Teachers, professors have a design for your life. Everybody's got an opinion, an idea about how you should be going, what you should pursue, and what you should do. And it is only those who are confident about what they're supposed to be doing. I, you know, we're, we're nearing like 37 years celebrating in ministry. Believe me, there have been plenty of times and plenty of opportunities where it's been tempting to walk away and do something different with my life. I had to know what God placed in my hands. I had to understand how I was designed. You know, a beautiful season for us, um, you know, uh, when we first came here in, uh, you know, in 2006, and we didn't come uh, straight here to this church. We didn't know about this church. So I had a season outside of ministry. And what was amazing about it was, you know, I was working part-time in a Starbucks and, uh, you know, I was also kind of getting my real estate license and working a little bit in real estate. And, and uh, what, was, what was fascinating about it was at, at Starbucks, uh, over, you know, the, after about three or four months, I'm like the pastor of Starbucks. <laughs> Look, people coming, these kids coming to me going, yeah, it's, my boyfriend broke up with me. And it's like... You know, all this stuff happening and it's and I'm doing this counseling and stuff, you know, while we're making coffee and and all, you know, and and, and so what I began to realize was I, my design plays out even when I don't have a stage. The design of how God made me and created me is playing out in life. Had a, had a young man there who was running his family. His dad was a pastor. He was running uh, away from ministry. He got into a, a band that was, was successful and playing a lot downtown and good things were happening for the band, but not for his life. His life was taking a trajectory of going down and, and uh, in, in the relationship, we started working together every, every morning, opening the place up and talking to him and, and sharing, you know, and encouraging him. And over time, you know, he made his journey back to Christ. And, and I remember his parents coming in and saying, you know, I just want to thank you, you know, for uh, pastoring Starbucks, <laughs> you know, for, for being here for our son and for sharing what you did. And he went on to, uh, to, you know, he had a call on his life and he, he went on to go to Florida and study uh, worship. He went to a two-year school there for worship ministry. Very gifted guitarist. And uh, then is landed in a place in Colorado where he is the lead worship guy full-time and found his wife there, got married, and uh, God has totally, totally turned his life around. And we have you know, some stories like that of times that we were not on uh, in a place of, of, of ministry that was recognized as, you know, here's our pastor or whatever. And yet God was still using me how I was designed. What's in my hands? What's in my hands? Yes. Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 
We are his workmanship. This passage opened by telling us that these are the words of him who is holy and true, holds the keys of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what uh, he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no man can shut. Open doors are the work of the Holy Spirit. God has placed in your hand the tools for success, but the Holy Spirit has the key to the next doors of opportunity for you. And here's what he wants us to do until that door is opened by the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk later about why sometimes that door is not immediately opened. I stepped in front of it and it's supposed to go, it did that at the grocery store. I just stood in front of it and it automatically opened up. Why is this door not opening up? We're going to talk about that a little later in this message. But the main point here is when you come to a shut door, what do you do? And in this passage, it unfolds it. First, he says to them, I know you have little, a little strength, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So the first thing we do standing in front of a closed door is stay faithful. It's tough. It's challenging. Because we just want to push the door open and go to the next thing. We're people like that. We drive through uh, and get our food and we want it quickly and we don't want them to start making it the second we start ordering it. We want it ready when we get to the window so we can drive off and start eating it, right? And we are those kinds of people, but the first thing that God would say to us, and he said to the church here, be faithful, be faithful. The second thing and in this passage, verse 10 says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Now, the language of that passage is really interesting. And we talked about last week how language is important and it ties. You know, we, we told you the story about how it said to those who overcome, will I give to eat of the tree of life? That tree of life appeared first uh, in, in the Garden of Eden and God kept man from it once man had sinned. But he's returning that tree again uh, to man uh, for eternal life at, at, the, at the end for those who are faithful. And so we talked about how that language is important. Well, this is key. It says, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world. Now, this whole book of Revelation, we're not going to go into all of it from here forward, but the opening of the seals and, and the trumpets and all of those are, are uh, these, these um, the unleashing of judgments on the planet and things that are happening across the planet and bring times of testing to uh, the whole world, but especially to the church to hold faithful and to be faithful and to, to stand firm and to stand strong. And he is making a promise here, which, uh, which a lot of scholars tie to what's called the rapture of the church, the catching away of the church prior to the second coming. And that's passages like this, and there are many of them, where it seems like there's a rescue that happens before you have to go through a difficult time. And this is one of those passages, and the rescue is the rapture um, that, uh, that, that is talked about. So here he's saying to us out of this passage, be obedient. First of all, be faithful. Second of all, be obedient. If he says, stand still in front of the door, stand still in front of the door. Uh, whatever he's commanding in our life that we be obedient to, that we follow through with it. Listen, truth, 
uh, doesn't set anybody free. We've talked about this before. There's a lot of people know truths and they're still bound by something. I know the truth is if I eat better, I'll lose some weight, right? <laughs> How many of you can tell I'm not obeying that truth? Obedience to the truth is what changes our life, right? So, so it isn't knowing truth. There are people that know there are things that are not good for their health, not good for their body, not good for their careers, not good for... But it's only where they're being obedient to that truth understanding that impact and difference is happening in their life. Third passage here in verse 11, I am coming soon. And that's, see how that tied to that, um, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial. Uh, you know, I'm going to, um, uh, that's going to come upon the whole world to test its inhabitants. And then boom, I am coming soon. That's why I wanted to tie that passage to the rapture, the catching away of the church. It says, hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. What is this saying? This is telling us to persevere. Stay alert. Keep moving. Don't give up. Persevere. You know, be faithful, be obedient, and persevere. You're going to weather some storms. You're going to weather some difficulties. Part of why a door is shut for us and not open for us is there are rough edges being beat off of us by the winds and trials and difficulties of life. We're not ready to pass through that door yet. We will not be the best person. You know, there was a, there was a season for me, uh, Michelle was talking about this, beautiful uh, reading it, I think on the way in for us today, uh, David and Goliath. And uh, those of you who remember the story, again, biblically uh, literate and you've been around and you heard the stories before but for those of you who haven't you know David uh, young young man about 17 uh, years of age and and Israel is facing the mighty Philistine army and the, and the Philistines have a giant they have a, a big huge guy who's come out to the battlefield and he's just mocking Israel and Israel is doing nothing about it he's basically just challenging them send out your best warrior and uh, I'm going to crush him and then we're coming over the mountain and we're going to destroy the rest of you and he says, but we'll give you a chance like you if he can defeat me, then, you know, uh, we'll retreat and you can you can have the battlefield. And so, you know, everybody's just cowering and afraid, including the king. And so here comes a little boy. He's bringing lunch to his brothers uh, and he hears this Philistine. He goes, who, who, who's this guy to talk to God's people this way? How dare him speak like that? You know, arrogant, young 17 year old. You know, he's ready to go forward. And so finally he convinces, you know, everybody around him that he wants to fight this guy. And there's nobody else that will, you know, none of the bravest soldiers will. And so they, they said, well, if you're going to fight him, you're going to need some armor. And so he goes and um, they, they get Saul's armor and they put it, you know, the helmet on him. You can imagine a 17 year old boy with a man's you know, helmet on and, and they start putting, you know, the breastplate on him and you know, all the gear that goes with, you know, and the big sword. And he's just kind of looks like, you know, he's about to fall over from the weight of all of this stuff, you know, and he, and he says, you know, this, I can't wear this. And Michelle was, was pointing out as we're driving in, they were trying to, to, you know, he was going to be king. David was going to be king one day. He already had been anointed for it and had the call but he recognized that this wasn't the season for him to be the king. I can't wear the king's armor. I have to do what I do. Right now I'm a warrior. You know, and there are seasons we're standing in front of a door and we're the warrior, we're not the king. Yes. Yes. Open the door and, and maybe, you know, there's 
some rulership opportunities and some leadership opportunities through this door. But right now we're just the warrior. We're the worker bee. We're the person and we need to be the best we can be in that moment and let God bring the transformation and the changes that he needs to bring into our life. When I started out in ministry, I wasn't ready for this day right now. I wasn't ready to step into this. And I can remember when I first became pastor at the, at the church that we were at in Phoenix and I, that Monday, I was, I was, we had a, a service where it was an installation, pastoral installation. I didn't even preach. It was the superintendent uh, who came down and installed us and prayed over us. And he preached the message. It was great and talked about what shepherds do. And so Monday was my first day in the office. And I got in the office and I sat down behind that desk and I thought, what have I done? Like the weight of everything started falling on my shoulders. You know, we had staff that had to be paid. We had, you know, there was decisions that had to be made. And I'm sitting here going, I don't think I'm ready for this. I don't know if I can do this. But God knew that I was and what was left undone, he was going to do over the next several years in my life to prepare me. Persevere. All right. Be obedient and stay faithful. In the last passage, it says, the one who is victorious, I will give a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. it uh, I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. Now, we, I, I don't want to go too deep with these, but the name of my God we've talked about before as we've looked at these passages. Jesus coming back with that um, across his festure. Um, the, it says faithful and true, faithful and true. The name of my God and the name of the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven from my God. And I will also write a new name uh, on them, a new name. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, the new name that God would, uh, would give to us that we would recognize would be more out of our character, right? You know, many of you, um, the, well, a lot of you had thoughtful parents that thought through kind of how to name you, but some of you didn't, you know, uh, Johnny Cash, uh, you know, got, it was sung the song about the boy named Sue, you know, <laughs> and some of us just kind of got names, you know, just, just hanging out. Uh, my dad is a, is a story like that. My, my grandmother, my uh, grandfather uh, had left. He, uh, he abandoned her, left her. And she went into this deep depression just, you know, a couple of few weeks before my dad's birth. And so when he was born, she was still in this deep, deep depression. Uh, she had him two weeks and did not have a name for him. And the neighbor girl was coming over to help care because uh, my grandmother was not in a state of mind to really give good nurturing care at that point to my dad. And she named my dad. The neighbor girl named my dad. And um, so, you know, uh, that's my, the case with some people. And others, maybe you, your parents kind of thought this through, but God's saying, I'm going to give you a new name. And when I give it to you, you're going to understand that was who you have been designed to be. And it centers around the character and, and, and who you have become in me. And it's fully going to make sense in that moment. The Philadelphia church had a little strength and that they had proved faithful. They were a lot... Um, Closer in, in location to Sardis, but the Philadelphian Christian situation resembles more Smyrna, what was taking place there, which was roughly 60 miles away. They were holding faithful. They were ones who said, not I, but Christ in me. It was their watchword. 
I don't want to ask you the question as we're thinking about these doors that are closed, opportunities for us that, to advance, to get involved in ministry. Could it be that it is not you waiting on God, but on God waiting on you? Have you taken time to kind of examine what it is that's in your hands? And, and what are you going to do to develop the gifts that God's placed in your hands? When I recognized, you know, that I could sing, I wanted to go and, and become better at it. You know, I wanted to uh, take some lessons. And, you know, that's in my history now as I've gotten older and haven't done it as much. I'm not the singer. But I uh, recognized I could play a little bit of guitar, you know, to, I wanted to, to help lead worship. And so, you know, I wanted to, to learn a little bit more about that. Recognize that, you know, I could... Uh, you could speak a little bit. Then I wanted to, to work on that and make that a lifelong project. What are you doing to develop what God has placed in your hands? He's taking it for granted. How about your character? Are you still involved in laying blame on others and justifying? Or are you taking responsibility and becoming a better person day by day and moment by moment? Will God open the door of service if you are unfaithful? Will God open the door of service if you're unloving? Will God open the door of service if you're rebellious, passive or aggressive? Will God open the door of service if you're unlearned, if you're emotionally unintelligent, if you're addicted or if you're lazy? Could it be that the closed door has more to do with us than it has to do with God? Have you examined what he's placed in your hands? And are you working on that and developing that? This morning I want to ask that we take a moment to examine what God has placed in our hands and think through that. What has, has God placed in the hands for us as a church, as Grace Place Church? 12 acres plus of land buildings, furniture, equipment, families, wonderful people, great leaders. We're all going to stand before God one day to answer for what he placed in our hands and how we, you know, what we did with that and, and how we handled what God had placed in our hands. What did we do with it? How did we love? How did we serve? I open the service with kind of a prophetic word. I want to invite our worship team to come back. And that was that open doors are the work of the Holy Spirit. And I said there were people here who have at one time or another and right now are, have bought into a lie. And you're waiting for something to happen that's going to open that door. Some major destination kind of thing. Some major event. Some feeling that's going to take place. Some a wave of something that's, that will happen. Some beam of light, some burning bush, whatever it might be. And then there are others, uh, you, know, and, you know, that are sitting around, it's, it's a person. You know, once, once I get married, you know, everything's going to be cool. Or, you know, uh, once I get through with, um, you know, my education and, and, you know, get that diploma and, you know, I get connected, network with the people who can shape my life and help me get up the ladder and be successful, that's, that's when doors will start opening for me. And I just want to say to you that um, you can push some doors open that God doesn't have for you. But if you want the door open that's in front of you that God has for you, 
Only the Holy Spirit can open that door for your life. Only the Holy Spirit can open that door. And so the call to the Philadelphia church was, let's, I'm calling you back to, to repentance. And I, I, I want you to come back to me, get me first, and recognize that I may be working on you before I can open the door. There are changes that I need to make. There are things that need to happen in your life. There are spiritual formation that needs to take place. If I open this door right now, you're not ready for what's out here. It'll destroy you. I know ministers and pastors who kicked a door open and then were so devastated by what was in front of them that they left the ministry. They lost their relationship um, as, as a couple. They, uh, they strayed away from God. And God says, I've got some great things for you, but I'm preparing you and I'm working on you. Let's start with you. Let's start with you. Will you stand with me? If God's been speaking to you through this message um, this morning and, and there, you're, you're there, man, you, you, you want to go through in obedience the door that God has for you. And, uh, you know, you're saying, hey, I want the Holy Spirit to open this door. I, I want to connect with God. I want to start where he wants me to start. I don't want to get ahead of him. I don't want to be too far behind him. I want to be right where he wants me to be, ready to advance on his call. And that's you, and God's been speaking to you through this message. I want you to come this morning to the front. Worship team's gonna sing and, and lead us in, in a worship song. And I want you to come forward. We're gonna pray with you and agree with you that today's gonna be a day of, of life change and spiritual formation taking place. And you're gonna be ready. God's getting you ready so that you can pass through the door that his, his spirit wants to open for your life.